J'attendrai toujours ton retour Le feu s'éteint, l'ombre se glisse dans le jardin, l'horloge tisse des centres là, je crois entendre ton pas. Devant ma porte, des bruits lointains, guettant ma porte. J'écoute en vain, hélas, plus rien, plus rien ne vient. J'attendrai. I'm E.J. Ionelli, and this is From the Studio. And this morning we are in the studio as well as our performance space, and we are welcoming the musicians from an upcoming Sasha's Supper Club event at the historic Davenport Hotel. And it is taking place this weekend, and the theme is Paris After Dark. So making the, the rapid transition from the performance space to our KPBX studio are Sasha Boutros. So welcome, Sasha. Bonjour. And bonjour. We have John Gardner, who is playing guitar. Hello. Hi, John. And we have Veronique Forger, um, and she is a vocalist. Bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour. And also out in the performance space, we have Eugene Jablonski, who is uh, playing double bass, and he will be joining them. He just joined them on that last number, which was J'attendrai, and that means I'll wait, and then we'll be hearing another song uh, at the close of the interview. But this song, Sasha, uh, J'attendrai, it means I'll wait, and I think the opening line is I'll wait through the day and through the night. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And is this kind of indicative of the music that we're going to hear at this Sasha Supper Club event? Yes. So we're taking our listeners on a journey of everything French. And between Veronique and I, we have 
such different styles, and at the same time, we have a lot of things that that we intertwine. And so uh, she sings most of the Edith Piaf songs, and we weave through the Charles Aznavour together and different things. And we're just really telling the story of being in love in Paris after dark, and uh, and all the different facets that 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 comes with. So this is a soft one of the songs, some of them more. Veronique is going to do a very, very traditional Parisian song later I'm excited about. Yeah, and this is coming up just ahead of Valentine's Day, so I think some of the songs are going to be about love, no yes. doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yes, some about sad love and some about happy love. <laughs> and I'm curious, where did you and Veronique meet? We met through a mutual friend. Yeah, Isabel? yes, it's true. Somebody, well, I, was, I arrived in uh, San Diego, uh, end of 2019 and got caught in COVID, of course. <laughs> and then uh, somewhere along 2022, and uh, we uh, somebody introduced us. And, and I was actually uh, in Paris, and she was in San Diego, which yeah, is funny. Yeah, exactly. And then we got to meet, and, uh, and Sasha, of course, speaking French and living in Paris, and me also, it's my, it's my, it's my culture, the French culture, so... And uh, she she just really kindly invited me to sing a song where she was performing, and uh, and I sang La Vie en Rose, of course. <laughs> and then she said to me, "Well, can you do a show in two weeks?" I went, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> so it happened very quickly. So she believed in me like, straight away. But it's true that I've been, you know, I mean, I arrived in I arrived in uh, the U.S. I mean, I didn't know anyone uh, because I've been singing all around the world. But here, I didn't have any contacts, and and Sasha basically introduced me to the scene here. So I'm very grateful. And she's but she comes with incredible accolades from all over the world. So of course you hear an incredible singer who also is an incredible entertainer mm-hmm. and you you want to put her out on the spotlight to shine for everybody because Veronique has a sparkle and she has a French sparkle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, much like Sasha, you are a world traveler. And so you performed in Dubai for quite a while, no? Oh, yes. For for quite a while, I performed in Dubai, but not only in Dubai, but even when I was based in Dubai, I was based in Dubai for a while. I sang there a lot, of course. And from Dubai, I I moved uh, to a lot of places. I sang in Europe, uh, everywhere, Asia, and uh, um, even in the Middle East. I did a, I did a tribute to Edith Piaf, and with uh, and I toured with that, and that that was a, a a big highlight for me because I love singing Edith Piaf, and from there I moved to other countries, and I kept on singing around the world. So yeah, I've been very 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 lucky to do that. Yeah, and I think you sang the Edith Piaf solo show in front of the Singaporean Prime Minister. Is that right? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, in uh, I did a show in Singapore. It was uh, French uh, and uh, Asian culture, and I represented the French culture. And I did, yes, I did uh, a tribute to Edith Piaf on my own on stage, and uh, it was uh, very intense. And yes, uh, there was a big crowd there, and the Prime Minister was there, yes. And you all kind of have this San Diego connection because, John, you hail from San Diego, too, no? That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And are you a San Diego native or did you wind up there? No, I wound up there like a lot of people, exactly. That's where the freeway ends. <laughs> and uh, literally, that's how I ended up there. After t- being in a bunch of touring bands, I was in Austin, Texas. I'm from the Northeast, grew up there, toured out of Austin, and then got tired of the heat, ended up in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And as a guitarist, is this the mold in which you tend to operate, or does your music or your repertoire comprise a really broad spectrum? 
It's very, very broad. Uh, yeah, because I said yes to every gig for 15 <laughs> years or more. But this is what I prefer to play is uh, this or in what's known as jazz manouche or gypsy jazz, Django Reinhardt, hot club music. That's the gig I want to take. Mm-hmm. And how did you first discover that music? Every guitar player knows Django. <laughs> you have to. He is the king. And so my, my day job is a, a jazz guitarist. And then this is a particular sub-niche of it, and you have to deal with Django at some point. And uh, that's what I'm attempting to do. Yeah, I think every guitarist needs to know Django, and every vocalist needs to know Edith Piaf. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And so, uh, Sasha, this event, this uh, Paris After Dark event, now this is going to take us through about 100 years of jazz, is that right? Actually, we added something a little bit older. So, yes, it, it, it's actually going to go. I decided to add a, one uh, the opera song with our dancer. So just to tap into the also classical after dark. So we have one beautiful aria that she's going to be dancing to. And so that's around 1810. So we're kind of at 200 years of French music. Oh, wow. And walk us through some of the other names that we might hear or songs that we might hear during this evening of music. So we are also doing, both of us are doing a Gilbert Bacot song. Yes. And... Uh, Edith Piaf, of course. Yes. Uh, Dalida. And Dalida. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you got Patricia Cass as well? No, we don't have... We no. ended up not having Patricia Cass. Oh, Kass. she got eliminated from the set list. She huh? got eliminated <laughs> from the set list. No jazz and Java. Who else do we have? We have uh, so many different people. We have to go through the set list in our mind suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if we could have maybe a distilled version of how French song evolved over this time, because when we think of French music or Paris Chanson, um, when we think of this, it evokes a certain style, but obviously that style evolved over time. So, you know, could you maybe speak to how French music changed or stayed the same during that, that long period? I think the one thing that stayed the same is it tells a story. Mm. So if you go from the French popular art song or you go through Baroque times and you come through, and even just looking at, for example, Romeo and Juliet, songs from, from, from that opera, to what you hear with like La Boheme, some songs are lyrical and they may not be complex chord structures. They might only have four, six, or eight chords in the total song. Some have more, but they're very lyrical still, and they tell a story. And I think the French really tell that story well, because there's so many words that it just evolves into this huge, beautiful story. And as a singer, what we have to learn two, three verses of something that is, you know, uh, that I think in American song they don't usually do. They did in the 20s. Gershwin used to do it with Ira oh, Gershwin. Yeah. All the bridges and yeah, all the different yeah, things. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and there's a story. So, like, uh-huh. if you cut the song in half, you miss half the story. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you you have you have um, composers and, and singers like Charles Aznavour. And uh, he used to write, he did write for Edith Piaf as well, but all the songs of Charles Navour, and they have been actually adapted in English and in many other languages. And the, his songs in particular are, it's like a short movie in a song. And it's, it's true, if you cut half of it, you miss half of the story. So yeah, there is, it's a full story. 
And all three of you, you know, John, you were talking about how your guitar background encompasses, it's, it's very pan-genre. Yeah. And Veronique, the same with you. I think not only do you do this style of uh, Paris Chanson, you also do soul, you do R&B, bossa nova as well. So you've got a, a broad repertoire. And Sasha, I know from past conversations that you've got a very broad repertoire. So what is it about this music that is so special? Now, we talked about the story, but what about it really kind of speaks to you on that soul-deep level that makes you want to share it with others? Well, first, for me, it's uh, it's my culture, the French culture and the language. I really love to sing in French because, uh, again, for the their importance of the lyrics and the story, and uh, it's really uh, it's for me it's the language from my heart mm. and uh, so it uh, it really uh, well that's why maybe I do I do really love to sing in French and that type of music actually I I started to do it more and more and since I've been here and I've been lucky to meet John because he's uh, perfect for that type of music that we do and uh, so the connection is there and uh, I'm really enjoying that a lot. And does being geographically distanced from it make you appreciate it more? Probably yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, uh, and I'm very, I'm very glad also to bring that here. In terms of, uh, I think in San Diego, I'm the only French, uh, true French, uh, yeah. cultured. I mean, who sings in French, uh, and uh, so I'm really glad to bring that here. And I'm glad also to see how how people receive it. Mm -hmm. They really enjoy it, and I'm yeah. really glad to be here and to do the same thing in, in, uh, in Spokane. That's what I wanted to say. It's a, it's, a, it's a vibe. Like, as an American, you can see it when we're playing gigs. Like, um, it's just a total vibe, and uh, you, people, you see them at the gigs just sort of get enchanted, and like, like they're in a different world sitting right in their chair, you know, so it's, it's really cool to watch it wash over them and then get taken away by it. It's great to be part of it. Yeah, the music alone evokes that whole atmosphere, like mm -hmm. 50s right. and 60s jazz evokes right. an atmosphere of being in a jazz club. And uh, Sasha, did you want to say something to that well, effect? Well, the music is so many different ways of, of describing and saying love without actually using the word love. So mm. <laughs> we only have one word for love in, in, in English. And in French, you have a million ways to say I love you without actually saying I love you. Like Veronique is going to sing one of my favorite songs, Hymne de l'amour. And Edith Piaf wrote that for Marcel, the boxer who she was in love with. And nowhere in the entire song does it say love. Not one word of love anywhere. It's mm -hmm. called Hymn of Love, but the whole thing is about love, and it's profound. When, when she sings it, I cry, because it's, the words that Edith Piaf wrote were profound. But there's no, there's no word of love, but everything about the song is love. And, and it's something that, that I asked her to do for me, because all this music is actually, I mean, she's a real French person, but, but I grew up in my house in a very European home. My grandmother lived in Paris. And I heard French all the time. They were speaking. I spoke a little. They did. I didn't start taking French really until I was in school when I was 14. And then I went to French school every day. But it was a little late, I thought, for, for, for really learning the way like when you grow up learning and you're writing every day and then you, you, you become, you know, you fluent, really fluent. So this is this this to me is the soundtrack of my youth. So having that authenticity with Veronique to, to, to bring those songs because there's, like he said, it's a vibe. And 
we have that vibe, you know, and we love that vibe. But when you actually have somebody that really has been immersed and speaks that language from the moment that they open their eyes and they were being yelled at in French, <laughs> there's a there's a vibration and and French is such a language that has so many ways to describe one thing and this is what we're 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 singing about this is what we're talking about and this is what we're playing about and so if you don't understand it it's okay because like john said you're going to feel the vibe yeah and have you performed as a four piece together uh before this i'm yeah. i'm talking you and john and veronique and eugene have you have you all come oh, together well, as a four piece before oh no uh but Three years ago, we did a Valentine's concert yeah, together yeah, during we, the pandemic. We've all played together. And then we've all done a show together. Yeah. Um, tomorrow, Brendan McMurphy joins us and Brent Edstrom joins us. And uh, so we're doing a yeah. kind of pseudo jazz manouche. <laughs> yeah, Eugene is fantastic. We just met him about eight beats before we started. Yeah. I know it, Jim made a passing comment as he was listening to the, doing the sound check and listening to the level saying, wow, for a, a quartet that just kind of came together and shook hands, this is this is a remarkable tightness, you know. <laughs> That's why we call him Eugenius. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and if you could describe for our listeners who aren't familiar with maybe some of the, the nuances of jazz, the jazz minouche, what constitutes jazz minouche? Uh, if you could describe some of that sound. Okay, a lot of it, first you gotta have that guitar. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to have the 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 Selmer McAfee style guitar with the petite bouche or the grand bouche. It has to have that sort of um, uh, gypsy or jazz manouche sort of, it's almost like a, a march mixed with a swing and then the folk elements from the uh, Roma and Sinti and all that. Um, so there's a lot of European folk music mixed in with it. Um, and, and that's a vibe and a half, definitely. Um, and then you combine it with swing, that sort of element. And they play it different. Um, and you have to learn the accent. It's like when they come here, the, they, the French, when they come here, they swing a little interesting, not the way we do. <laughs> and then when we play manouche, we play it a little different until you really learn. So it's, 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 a, it's a continuum. They are still connected to classical music. Mm -hmm. Right? There's a direct line that runs through, and it's one of the main veins that's still part of the music. Whereas in America, we really come out of um, the New Orleans thing and the blues thing, and it's a different swing. It's a different melting pot. So I think it's the classical thing. It's the march. It's the, it's the uh, drama, right. the gypsy drama, you know, of yeah. it. Uh, it's definitely very dramatic. Mm -hmm. you gotta, you got to make sure you bring that. So I, I think... I don't remember what the question was. It Hopefully was about jazz music. I, I really enjoy listening to this because yeah, yeah it, it has to have that sort of fire. I'm and definitely going to turn around and say, John, in the concert, drama, drama. <laughs> oh, you know, you don't have to. It's already, it's already there. He, he has great, John has great dynamics. He he really takes us on a on a journey. It is a story. That's what you're saying. You have to play the story. You listen oh. to the story, even and try to play the story. Yeah. So, yeah, we have the story within the music, and then we have the story of the music. Mm -hmm. And, Sasha, are you going to be taking us through on this set list during this event? Are you going to be taking us through chronologically so we as an audience can maybe hear the evolution of this music? Or are you going to be hopping back and forth in time? We're hopping a little because I want it to be entertaining. Like, Veronique is very entertaining, and I like to entertain, and John is fingertaining. So, you know. <laughs> I like that. So, you can hear he's entertaining with his fingers. So, I, wanted, I want them to, you know, like, 
she's going to do Natalie. And that's like, Ooh. I think that's the 60s almost, you know, and it yeah, starts going yeah, into this Russian crazy. thing. And so you, you, you have like all these different sounds within the sounds. So it starts yeah. like a French song and then it goes, da, 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 you know, so I want them to be entertained. And then we're doing the first crossover song that was ever recorded by Dalida, which is Salma Ya Salama. And it was the first Eastern and Western combined rhythms in the world in the 70s, early, early 70s that ever came out. It was like they weren't sure how it was going to do, you know, because it had Arabic rhythms in it. Mm. And, and it ended up going platinum in so many countries. And so we're doing that. So we're, we're, do, we're kind of going with more the flow of the funness of the music, would yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wanted to solo her, feature her. So she's doing a, a, a chunk of the segment so she can do a little journey with her music. That gives me a fantastic seg into the song that you're going to be performing as we go out. And this is Menin Montan. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us some context to this song and explain what it's about? There's no, I think that it's, it's a very, very Parisian, very Parisian song. And it's a very old song. It was sang by Maurice Chevalier, Yves Montan. So that was what they're... It's at least 100 years old, probably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's so typical Parisian and and gypsy. Well, you'll hear it and and you'll understand. Yeah. Well, Veronique and John, I want to thank you for coming in today. I'll give you this opportunity to kind of head out and get set up in the performance space. And Sasha, you and I are going to talk about the extra musical components of this evening because it's not just about the music. There is some food involved. I think there's a photo booth. So can you talk to me about this? So the food is a Parisian style meal. So it's 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 a trois courses, uh, trois temps, and we're having three different courses. And then I'm doing a, a café gourmand like we do in Paris. So you have three different desserts, you know, because the French love their desserts and and they love their little coffee at the end of the meal. And they want to have, you know, how can you just decide on when they bring the dessert tray out? One dessert, so they have three, and so you have a little three. And uh, so of course, to me. The senses are the most important part of an experience. And so when you walk into the room, you see first and then you hear and then you touch and you taste. And so I try to really envelop all of the senses with dim lighting and 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 tasting of, of the French food. So I want everyone to kind of be full and fall in love and make more children, you know. <laughs> and there's a there's a sartorial element to this because folks are kind of encouraged to participate uh, by coming in in flowing dresses and tailored yes. suits. Yeah. Yes. I want them to dress like Paris. I want them to wear big giant hats and you know, corsets and push the ladies up and gentlemen in their beautiful ties or cravat and or the the papillon ties. And I want them to feel like they are sitting on the Champs-Élysées, you know, having wine and falling in love with everything and to forget about everything when they come into the room. Just pause and be completely present and just enjoy the experience. Yeah, and just ahead of Valentine's Day, that sounds like the the experience most folks would want. And, you know, the the music creates that atmosphere, but it's really nice to complete it with uh, with food and a little a little fashion. Well, well, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having us. I've been speaking this morning with Sasha Boutros, Veronique Forget and John Gardner. Uh, about Paris After Dark, and Paris After Dark is a Sasha's Supper Club event. It takes place tomorrow, that's Saturday, February 10th, at the historic Davenport Hotel, and it's in their Marie Antoinette Ballroom. And for more information, you can visit sashasupperclub.com.
And now, live from our performance space, here are Veronique Forget, John Gardner, and joined by Eugene Jablonski on double bass to perform Menil Montan. Thank you. 